0: scams have been around as long as humans have existed with the exponentially growing digital age cyber threats are becoming more prevalent And the same old scams some of which have been going on for hundreds of years are seeing new life I spoke with Stephanie Carruthers, the Chief People Hacker at IBM's X-Force Red, on what these scams are, how they're being reborn in the digital age, and what you can do to be cyber safe. My name is Mickey Cockrell, and I'm the Director of Communications at the National Cybersecurity Center. This is the Cyber Brief Podcast. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here today. How are you doing?
1: Hey, I am so happy to be here. I am doing great.
0: Folks, we are uh, privileged to have Stephanie on this podcast today. So Stephanie Crothers is actually the chief people hacker at IBM's X-Force Red. Um, A little bit more about Stephanie just for some background. In DEFCON 22, she actually won a black badge for the social engineering capture the flag um, and was on the winning team for St. Vault Physical Security Challenge which won the team a black patch. And and over the past several years, Stephanie's presented and taught trainings at multiple information security conferences. Uh, Stephanie's performed a variety of red team and social engineering assessments for clients, ranging from startups, Fortune 100 companies um, to government agencies. Um, And and Stephanie, I want to ask, because I think this sets a a good basis for the podcast. um, What exactly do you do... In your role as the chief people hacker for ibm's x-force red
1: that is a great question uh one of my favorite things about my role is every day it's different mm-hmm. um there can be a day where i'm breaking into a building to find any flaws so my clients can fix them to a day where i'm training new team members on different hacking techniques or where I'm actually working on the business and seeing how we can improve our services to make them more valuable for our clients. So it's pretty much a big range.
0: I mean, that's that's pretty awesome to be able to tell folks that you you know you get paid to break into buildings yes, and and, and things it. like that. That's so cool, <laughs> um, Stephanie. A lot of what we're talking about today um, centers around obviously cybersecurity. This podcast talks about everything cybersecurity, but we. We want to dive into an interesting concept of a talk you gave recently um, really around cybersecurity saying that everything old is new again. What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. So when I think of everything old is new again, when you take a look at the world around us today, right, this world we live in. It feels like everything is online or connected to the internet somehow, right? Our lives, our email, like if we want to set up a dentist appointment for our kids now, we just go online and do it. We don't have to call them. Mm -hmm. Um, Our ovens, our dishwashers, like everything is connected to the internet, which is kind of scary when you think about all of these data breaches that are happening, right? And it feels like they are occurring almost daily now. I feel like there's a day that, doesn't go by where I open up my news tab and and I don't see some type of breach or company hacked or something like that. And if we take a step back and we look at these breaches and how attackers are actually breaking in, right, what is their entryway to to get in, most times it's through social engineering, whether Mm. that's through... Email or phone calls, but different types of social engineering tactics. Now, if you take another step back and you're looking at social engineering as a whole, right, that that term is it's kind of new and it's now more familiar with people. But really, essentially, it's a con and cons have been around for so, so long and if you take another step back, if you actually sit there and break out these old cons, you can see how some of them have just been adapted in today's world, and it's it's kind of crazy to see that, that evolution.
0: Right. Um, so you've got a list of several cons that have been repeated from history but are now being used every day in the world of cyber. Um, I, I want to hear about maybe some of the – some of the most prominent or you know popular ones if you could use that word um the first one is you know pig in a poke or the gold brick scam what what exactly is that
1: yeah so first i have a question for you have you ever heard the phrase uh you let the cat out of the bag
0: Ab- absolutely <laughs> unfortunately so,
1: <laughs> yep that is where pig in a poke come from that phrase hmm. comes from pig in the poke so Pig and a poke is a very old, it's probably one of the oldest um, confidence tricks or cons. It actually started in the late Middle Ages. So a really, really long time ago. So pig and a poke. A poke is another word for burlap sap snack. That's what they would call it. So one of the most popular ways... um, Vendors at the time would sell different types of meats to people, is uh, suckling pigs. And they would put that in a burlap sack and sew it shut. And that's where you get the term pig in a poke. It was wow. very common. So, what these con artists did at the time is they found that there was no shortage of cats or small dogs. So, what they would do is they would take those animals that were very easy to come by, sew that burlap sack shut and sell it to a bunch of people, and then move on city to city, making a lot of money. Oh, wow. And that's, yeah, that's where the phrase comes from, the, the laying the cat out of the bag. But pretty much it describes purchasing something without inspecting it. And it's typically, um, in today's world, it's a pre-owned product. But that was, back a long time ago, one of um, a very, very common scam that, you know, it was easy, easy money for them.
0: Right. Right, absolutely. And and um, the word gold brick scam, is that is that related? Is that the same thing?
1: So technically, it is the same thing. Okay. Um, how it's been seen in today's world, and this is probably the last decade, if not two decades, um, with the internet, right? If we want to sell something, it's easy to go onto our local Craigslist or something like that, post an item, meet someone and sell it, right? it's It's... The right. internet has given us that convenience. However, in today's world, how, how can we scam someone? So the Goldbrick scam that's been pretty popular is these scammers would find very popular items, right? The newest iPhone, whatever gaming systems currently sold out. And if they got their hands on a brand new system or phone or whatever they wanted to sell, um, they would remove that product and they would replace it with something of equal weight. So, typically... you know some some um a a brick right something like that they would put it in the packaging and they would actually go through all the steps of shrink Mm -hmm. shrink wrapping it back so it looked completely new so they would meet up with someone you know sell get the money and take off and that is a very easy way for a scammer to make uh some quick money
0: wow i feel like um I feel like people like myself might be listening to that and say, I'm pretty sure we've pranked family members with that scam, <laughs> maybe in a less uh, nefarious manner. But um, another one you <laughs> talked about, Stephanie, is the pigeon drop or an advance yes. fee scam. What, what is that?
1: Yeah. So a pigeon drop um, was really popular in like the 1950s. Now, this one I'm going to have to explain and it. it takes a second. OK, but there are typically two scammers involved. So, the job of the first scammer is to get someone's attention, just someone off the street. And instead of calling them a target or a mark, um, in this con, they would call them the pigeon. Oh, wow. So, they would find this person who they would call the pigeon and get their attention, build some rapport. They might ask for directions. They're just having a cover. casual conversation with someone on the street and so the second pigeon comes up and says hey I found this wallet is it is it either one of yours like I'm there's a lot of money in it like I'm I'm really worried like I want to make sure it gets back to the right person knowing full well that it's not either of their wallets and so you know they all kind of start to look around they might ask a couple people you know hey did you drop a wallet and so what they do is they say okay well The first scammer will say, well, there's a bank across the street. I can go in and ask them. And and the second scammer will say something like, okay, that's a great idea. You know, there's a grocery store, you know, just behind me. I can go ask them. And and then they say, okay, well, who holds the wallet? Right. Like how do we know you're not just gonna take off with the money? So what they do is they get the pigeon in on it and they say, Okay, well, (laughs) you know, you look kind of trustworthy. Maybe maybe you could hold the money, but then how do we know you're not gonna take off with it? So they say, Okay, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take all the money in this wallet put it in an envelope you're going to hold on to it you meaning the pigeon and in return you give us your wallet so you know we we know you're not going to run off with this money so as they're handing the pigeon this envelope of money they've really replaced it with an envelope full of just like trash right newspaper clippings things that feel like it could be money so then the two scammers go off in their two different directions and the pigeon is left holding an envelope of trash and they do not have their wallet anymore so that is it's a pretty it's wow. a pretty intense one and it involves two scammers um <laughs> but it was pretty popular for a while
0: and sure. And and how might we see that in a modern or digital context?
1: Yeah. So in today's world, that would definitely be some type of an advance fee scam. And those are the most popular in the Prince of Nigeria scams. I could almost guarantee if you go to your junk mailbox right now, you probably have a couple sitting in there. They have been so popular lately And they're probably not going away because unfortunately they work. So how the Prince of Nigeria scams typically work is you'll get an email claiming to be someone from Nigerian royalty and they need help facilitating some type of transfer of a large amount of money. And in return, if you can help them transfer that money, you will get a huge, excuse me, a huge commission, some big, you know, return as thanks. However, to do this transfer the scammer does request to um that you pay the transfer fees just to make to know that you're not going to make off with their money. And that is the advance fee part, right? You're paying mm-hmm. that advance fee and then of course you're never getting that money in the long run.
0: Right, right. Um yeah, it's it's just so fascinating to me um and we'll get into this a little bit later, you know, that these these scams have been around forever and they just continue to persist and and work, as you said. And right. and it sounds like they're even getting even more prevalent.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Wow. Um, another another one you talk about, Stephanie, is the catfish, which I think I think a lot of people know that in popular culture. Is that what right. I think it is?
1: It is exactly what you think it is. It's, it's talking to someone or interacting with someone, whether that's text, email, phone, written, and they're claiming to be someone or look a certain way that they are not. Um, catfish is pretty interesting how the term actually came to be. So uh, in the early... 2000s, this is when the term became popular. However, long before that, what fishermen would do is when they would capture cod, right, to to take back to shore and sell, um, they would make more money the more fresh and lively the cod was, right? You don't want to sell some old fish. And so one of the ways they would keep the cod alive and fresh during transportation is they would actually put catfish in these barrels with cod and the catfish would nip at the cod's tails and and keep them you know keep them moving keep them active keep them alive and so that's kind of where the the term catfish came from is is just mm. by by doing that so um a while ago and i don't know when this was too popular i'd have to do a little bit more research but mail order brides were a thing and they were oh, wow. getting really popular actually in the US And this is definitely a form of a catfish when the scammers would pretend to be, you know, these brides from countries outside of the U.S. saying, you know, they wanted to move here. They wanted to do new life. And their marks at the time were willing to pay to get them Mm -hmm. to the U.S. so they could live together. And so how the con worked is the bride would say, you know, I'm all packed up. I'm excited. I'm ready. You know, I have my ticket. I just need um, a little extra help getting to the U S or I need help with my ticket getting to the to the U S. And so the Mark would typically do like a Western union transfer, mm-hmm. something of some money to help them get to the U S. Of course, once they transferred that money, you know, they never talked to, to that bride again.
0: Right. Wow. And now of course we have the, the modern um, incarnation of the catfish where people on, you know, online can easily pose as, as someone else. Um, Absolutely. just to, just scam you in a variety of ways
1: yeah and if you think about creating like an account on something like mm-hmm. tinder grinder or whatever these online dating sites are it doesn't take a lot and there's not a lot of verification so it's really easy for scammers to go in create these amazing looking profiles right and get connections really fast so the con that's that's today in these, not only it's getting those those connections and interacting with people, but typically once they start that conversation and they build rapport, they might say something like, let's take this this conversation private or let's use a different platform to to chat and right. they'll send some type of a malicious URL to their target.
0: Sure it's, it's so fascinating to me. And I I feel like we could, you know, keep going on and on about all these different scams. But I I, I guess what I'm curious about is maybe more of a a philosophical question to all of this. I mean, these scams have been going on for, in, in some cases, literally hundreds of years, right? Like, why? Why aren't we learning? Like, how are they still working at this point?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I kind of sum it up into two categories, and that's kind of what you can just kind of do like as a person and and think about and then what you can do to help with your technology. So for the everyday person, right, slowing down, right, really think about who's calling you, texting Mm -hmm. you, emailing you, whatever. You don't have to respond so fast, and that's actually something that attackers – utilize all the time is urgency right if there is urgency or you have to do this now or it's expiring soon that should be a red flag sure and so if we really take the time and slow down it gives us more time to really evaluate and ask questions about okay what are they actually asking for do i really know this person and then you could really break down what that communication is so slowing down i'd say is the most important thing we could do to start
0: yeah absolutely yeah, go asking ahead. Asking
1: for help is, like, hmm. really important. If there's something, you're like, you know, this kind of feels fishy. I don't really know about this. Ask someone. Having that second pair of eyes can go such a long way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and Stephanie, in general, um, as the chief people hacker at IBM's X-Force Red Team, what would you tell folks? What can we do to prevent getting scammed in general, especially online?
1: Yeah, so I think when you're thinking about your accounts that you have set up, there's a couple, there's a handful of things. So the first one is making sure that you have two-factor authentication set up. Right. So let's say your your username and password were were provided in some type of breach, right? Attacker broke into a company that you use and they now have your username and password. If you have two factor authentication set up, even if they try to go and log in as you, they're not going to get that piece, right? It might be a token that you have, it might be a text that goes to your phone, whatever that is, they won't have that. So they can't get access to your account. So having that set up is extremely important. Great. The second thing is using a password manager this really helps you set up long, complex passwords that you're not going to have to memorize because more secure password should be one that you can't memorize. Mm -hmm. So having that password manager is really going to give you that flexibility to store those in a secure manner. And I have two more tips here. And the, the third one is when you're setting up brand new accounts, a lot of times they'll ask you for password reset questions in case you get locked out or have questions. Well, the thing is, attackers know that they might be able to go in and reset your password if they can find mm-hmm. all your information, right? They they can find out what high school you went to. So don't tell the truth. Lie on those. You don't have to. It's not like they're going to do some background check on you and make sure it's true. Absolutely lie. Give like the most random answer that you can think of and store it in your password manager. That way it, it doesn't let attackers guess that and go in and reset your password. And then the last thing is be mindful of what you post on social media. Um, if you, you know, had an account that you set up and you didn't lie on those password questions and I can, you know, just browse through your Facebook account, I might be able to get all those answers. So be mindful of what you post. And I always encourage people to have private accounts. Um, it just kind of makes that bar a little bit harder to get over for an attacker.
0: No, those are, those are all great, Stephanie. And I, I, Appreciate you sharing that. I think all of those are very reasonable and practical things you can apply uh, to a daily practice. So, so thank you. Um, And, and Stephanie, thank you um, again for coming in today and and speaking with me. It's, I think it's just so fascinating to, um, you know, be able to dive into these, these cons and the fact that they're still prevalent and even more prevalent, um, with every day so it's it's so good to just be mindful be aware of them um stephanie where can folks find you online
1: yeah so i'm on twitter probably too much don't tell my boss <laughs> but, um, but my handle it's underscore and then sn0ww
0: great and stephanie do you have any uh pluggables coming up that you'd like to share
1: You know what? Not right now. I'm just, I'm
0: just living la vida loca. That sounds, that sounds pretty great. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Stephanie, thanks again.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me.
0: Stephanie reminds us that we should all be vigilant as the old scams continue to live on in new mediums and platforms exacerbated by the exponentially growing digital age. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cyber Brief Podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit the subscribe button and let your friends know about us. A special thank you to Alyssa Roach and John Bullen for the production and editing work on this episode. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, think before you click.